So we're in James chapter 5, 1 through 6. Uh, I'm doing 6 through, after this, 6 through 11, I think it is, right? For next week. Uh, 7 through 11 next week. But it starts out James 5, 1 through 6. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have rusted, and their rust will be a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. It is in these last days that you have stored up your treasure. Behold, the pay of your laborers who mowed your fields or harvested your fields, some texts say, and which has been withheld by you, cries out against you. And the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of uh, Sabbath, or Sabaoth. You have lived luxuriously on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and put to, get, put to death the righteous man. He does not resist you. Ooh, so how's that? Oh. Right? <laughs> so what kind of day are you guys having, huh? <laughs> um, and uh so that's heavy stuff, huh? So uh let's just jump into it, James one through three, come now you rich and howl for your howl for your miseries are coming upon you. Um your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth eaten. Your gold and silver have rusted, and their rust will be a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. We'll skip uh three C for a minute here and just concentrate on the first part of the verse uh, three um, when we get to it. But who is James uh, addressing here? Uh, so we need a poll of the class. Is it the ungodly or godly people? Godly? Sounds like ungodly, but... Godly or ungodly. I think he's godly. Okay, how about we switch? Could it be both? Oh, sorry? Because they both? Could be both, yeah. Um, well, it's a good thing in verse 6. It's where he's contrasted them to the righteous man that they put to death, the righteous man. Seems to imply that they are the unrighteous. The unrighteous. Yeah, okay, good, good. I'm, I'm gonna take that tack, uh, Miles, and so I'm of the opinion that it's ungodly, um, for the following reasons. So are they believers or unbelievers? Uh, J. Vernon McGee, he quotes Calvin, well, people, um, came to uh, see that it's the, um, it's to the ungodly or the unbelievers. Um, support for this can be, uh, can, can miseries be directed to those in Christ? These miseries, right? Trial, trials can. Trials can. Yeah. Miseries? Miseries. Yeah. Yeah. See, um, or what would he ever tell someone in Christ that their heart has been fattened in the day of slaughter? That's a little heavy too, right? Harsh for a believer. Or will a believer be slaughtered for storing up and hoarding riches? Um, that seems to me to be a judge of the great white throne judgment or, um, you know, uh, something like that. Um, he, James begins his letter here to Jews who are scattered and they're experiencing various trials, right? In James 
one one is it yeah um consider all joy when you experience various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance uh, so they are in to endure in trials and if they were rich these these believers that he was addressing who have scattered maybe up north or in Galatia um wouldn't their money be sort of uh, buffer them from these trials if you have a lot of money you can you know you're not going to get person you're not you're not working to the bone like he talks in these passages so uh, the money would be like an insulator i think for it so th- that also kind of supports he's addressing someone else <clears throat> so um what i think it is and you know what McGee says, and I think even uh, Macaulay says that it's an, a, a brief address to the ungodly here, um, a brief monologue, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like when, when I was in college, we had a class like this. So all these guys sitting, young men, young women, and this professor focused, I'll focus <laughs> on you, Carolyn. He didn't read the assignment, so he wasn't able to participate you know, in a group discussion. So he he just railed on this one poor guy. So the the kid and his college kid ended up crying in class. And he was gonna come around and see if we could and no one had read this assignment, so everyone was scared. But at the end it was all a setup. The kid, he said, I'm a, I want to demonstrate some form of communication to this kid <laughs> or to the class. But this, it was so intense that the kid, I think that was natural. He ended up breaking down. So yeah, um, you can't hide behind that. So, um, yeah, so I think what he's doing, he's written to believers up scattered, but then he turns aside and he directs fire and condemnation to the ungodly just for a minute to show the believers, you know, something about um, God. You see what I, does that make sense? Um, So I have here, he addresses the ungodly to show his flock, his brethren, that God realizes and acknowledges these filthy rich men were responsible for their sufferings. And he does this for the benefit of the Christian readers and God will circle back and judge later. And that's what he wants him to know. Like an old Testament prophet, James denounces the wanton luxury of the rich warning of their coming doom. That's Adams and, and, and constables. I mean, yeah. You know, uh, Bob likes James, Jameson, Fawcett and Brown. And, uh, his, their commentary says that, uh, uh, James intends this address to rich Jewish unbelievers, not so much for themselves as for the saints, like you were saying, that they may bear with patience the violence of the rich, knowing oh, that yeah. God will speedily avenge them on their on their oppression. Oh, good. I'm exactly glad you read you that because I thought you were going to take the other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. This is, uh, this is wow. pretty cool. Yeah, okay, good. So we're on the same, but you can take it the other way too. It's, I, I think it's, 
it's kind of whatever you have. The, whatever the you other, really. other left field. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the background of this is almost verbatim. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. That sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Where three thieves break in and steal, but store up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys. Where three thieves cannot break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, in Luke, this is important, in Luke 12, um, starting with verse 14, uh, he, Jesus says, Beware, be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And he told this parable. Um, and I'll skip down to, uh, oh, this rich man, rich, the land, uh, the land of a rich man was very productive, and he began reasoning with himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store all my crops? This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, my smaller barns, and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat and drink, Mary. But God says to him, You fool. This very night your soul will be required of you, and now you, uh, who will own what you have prepared? So is the man, so is the man who has stored up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. And Jesus said that right after the man, there was a man, an unidentified man who asked Jesus, to tell or ask, yeah, ask Jesus to tell his brother to share the inheritance with yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> how do you know? tell your brother to? Yeah, and, yeah. and then he tells me this. Thing, you know, so that's that's good. That's the context of that. So yeah. Jesus says, "No, here's here's what Don't here's what read is, yeah right here's what's really going on." Luke twelve, uh, sell your provisions and give to charity, so everyone sign. Over your title deeds, to your you. house is to, to me. You? Okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, where, thank your, your sort of money belts that do not wear out. Um, and I just wanted to do this where neither thief comes nor a moth destroys. So there, there that is again. Um, echoing, you know, verse, uh, two there in James five. For where your treasure is, there will your heart will be also. So that's the background of, you know, one through, through three here, here in James. Um, and I don't think James was on these, he wasn't quite a uh, disciple, was he? He was, he was the half brother. Right, half brother Jesus. He was right. with his other half brother and his mother and they tried to get in to see him, but Jesus said, um, you know, so after he, Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected. Then James came to faith. And so I don't know how he has this so down, but I think I know it's the Holy Spirit. Isn't it? The Holy Spirit sort of gave him this information of what Jesus said, uh, on these, on, during his time in ministry. Um, oh, here's a, this is fun. What did God institute to have earthly goods rot? And be destroyed by moths, and be rusted away. Anyone know that? Some basic principle. 
Well, that's good. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a good uh, movie too, right? In the 1930s. To the death, you know, so everything would degrade. Yeah. Oh, you're close it's there. Yeah. How about the second law, well, thermodynamics? That was my next. <laughs> oh, but yeah. I've used, but I'm kind of fascinated with this. This um, he, uh, as a consequence of original sin, right. God had this has these laws in place, these natural mm-hmm. laws, and that law states that energy can neither be created nor destroyed. Oh, the first law says. I'm sorry. Here's the first law. Energy cannot be created or destroyed under any circumstance, but can transfer from one form to another. Mm. Um, and forget that little uh, <laughs> formula there. I just copied that because I think it's kind of cool. I think that's the second law. I'll have to change this. I think, I think that's the second law of thermodynamics. Um, that's the equation for the second law? I think so. I'll, so I don't think it's the... First law, yeah, it's not the first, the first law. Doesn't have a formula because it's just what it is. I think. Um, so anyway, the second law states that matter or energy has a natural tendency in an isolated system to degenerate to a more disordered state, and that's what he's talking about there: rusting garments, becoming moth-eaten. Um, just you know, you get old. Your car, your brand new car isn't so brand new anymore. Everything comes to a disordered state. So who put all this energy into the system to begin with? God did. Right, yeah. So are you saying that at the before the fall, there was no first and second law? Exactly. Ro- right. Roger, would you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 Sense. yeah. I think it's a consequence of yeah. sin. Cause yeah, well, you know, in 512, we've been studying, you know, and death spread to all men. I mean, yeah. that's there's death, yeah. and that, that means on the whole creation, death spread. Right. Um, and it's a second law is so cool. It's like why you're when you drive and you come here, um, you know, your car engine is really warm, right? You could cook an egg on it, right? And that's all dissipated energy, right? That should if it was contained in the system, it would bet that's all energy going to a different form. So. Um, so here's God's intended principle for the use of money. What do you think God's primary principle for the use of money is? It's not so scientific. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, anyone? Use for the kingdom. Ooh, well, close, but no. Mm, oh, close too. <laughs> How about for his glory? Right. Use it for his glory. And I'll get to that, that kingdom. Um, uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> um, so Macaulay says, put money to profitable use. Um, it has to be in movement. It has to move through your possession and not sit and accumulate. Um, which now that's pretty to, easy to do, actually. Right. I'm not in. Yeah. <laughs> Goes, comes in, goes right, right out, it, and really fast too, right? <laughs> Which is good. That's good. That's good. So this because you think about wealthy man with uh, building larger barns. Now you have to say, I don't want to say that investing is bad because that's putting money to work. Yeah. You're not working, but the money yeah. is being put to well, work. Well, Christ actually made a particular point of that. Yeah, it was very hard on the person that didn't invest his money. Yeah, so investing, investing is good. 
Um, it's just this sitting and sit and accumulating. Uh, if anyone saw the um, Citizen Kane, right? If you remember that, he, all of his stuff was in these warehouses at the end of his life, um, Citizen Kane. And he couldn't, he was trying to get this one thing and he, and it ended up, he had it in his possession all along in one of his large warehouses. So, um, so Matthew 25 is a parable saying about that faithful servants. Um, one servant is given, given one talent and he buries it in the ground until his master returned. But that was evil. He shouldn't have done that. He buried it. But the servant who, with the five talents, doubled his master's money. He gave him back ten talents. So, you now we studied <laughs> physics. Now, ROI, that's finance. Return on investment, that was 100%. So we're... I'm, uh, we're going to get smart in this class today because <laughs> I have more of this. We're doing thermodynamics and one more wow. from economics. Uh, to sum, the, su- the, su- the sum of the supply of money is in economics called M1. And it is to move through the economy and do productive things or move through your hands and do productive things, godly things. And M2 Anyone guess what M2 is in economics? Uh, I forgot this uh, long ago because I knew this. But Is it the movement of money? Good. Yes, it's the velocity of money. Velocity. Velocity. Yeah, it's velocity? A, yeah, velocity. So money has a velocity that moves. Through. So it's if it's one, it'll just go out in the economy, come back in a year. And if it doubles, it'll... Have a velocity, uh, M2, uh, M2 of two. If it's going three times as fast, I think three. I'm not sure about how the number works, but that's M2. So we have physics, finance, and economics there. So, <laughs> and there'll be test after. Um, so yeah, just don't hoard your wealth is the, is the concept that he's getting across here. Wealth in the first century Roman economy was comprised of mainly three things, three types. Garments, which I I didn't know, but yeah, costly garments was a form of wealth. Oil and corn, and then gold and silver possession were three three sectors of wealth in this time. That's why, you know, we're dealing with garments um, and and things like that in gold and silver in these verses. So your riches have become rotted. Um, oil and corn will rot if stored, right, and not put to use. Um, if it's stored in barns or um, a storage facility. Now, in this day and age, we have preservatives, and uh, so we can. But you're when you do that, you're you're counteracting that second law. The second law of thermodynamics wants it to rot, but it kind of offsets that. So it's kind of an interesting thing to think about. So garments, if sitting in a closet, become food for moths. Has anyone had that problem with their clothes in their closets? I have. You know, you find moths in your wool. Yeah. I think the climate here is <laughs> might make it. 
Well, it's or, or I don't, yeah. It's, I don't yeah. remember when there's a moth in you know those Miller moths that they mm -hmm. come through. Yeah, you'll find them in your clothes. Um, Christ's garments were even valuable. Right? What happened to them? Anybody remember? When he was crucified. Yeah, yeah, but his his tunic or yeah. So they had some value. So the the Roman soldiers wanted them. They they uh yeah cast lots for those. So garments are valuable. Um gold and silver rusts, which I it doesn't really rust, but I think in our modern scientific knowledge we could say corrodes. We're and calling tarnishes. It, tarnishes, that's good. Yeah, but tarnish you can kind of buff it up. Yeah, right, right. So, but it's a it's a corrosive thing, right? Tarnish. Yeah, the uh, the exterior of the of the silver <clears throat> and gold, it, when it tarnishes, it it's uh, it just kind of it's a it's a level of corrosion there. Yeah. So when you polish it, you're you're taking off some of the gold or silver. Yeah, and so same thing. It and they, he calls it rust here, but. Same kind of principle work at work, right? It um, oxidizes, is what I was saying. Yeah, right. So when it oxidizes, it changes. Yeah. Form. Okay. Um, see, it's scientific. Second law. Right. Second law. <laughs> um, what does it mean by this rusting or gold and silver's corrosion uh, will be a witness against them? This is kind of a hard concept I found. And I... Didn't have any really special thing to say about it, but I, um, Ironside did. And he said, gold and silver, the gold and silver stored, they have stored up will become cankered. I like that word. And I think that's in the, uh, King James version. It'll become cankered and the rust of them will become a witness against them testifying to the greed and covetousness that led them to lay up vast stores of useless pelf. That might have been used to the, for the glory of God, alleviating human misery, or if the heart had been right in furthering the the work the work of the kingdom of God. Now back to you, uh, Carol. I don't think that last part is right. I don't agree with that because um, money, the kingdom of God is going to happen by God Himself, by Christ. He's going to. All of a sudden, we're going to be raptured, and there you go. We're in the kingdom um, of God. So we can't spend money because we don't know what to spend it on to further the kingdom of God. Um, we we have no – it's just going to happen all of a sudden. Um, and right now we're in this – the 69th week of Daniel and the 70th week of Daniel, the tribulation. We're in this – right, this – pause period where nothing's and it keeps going, it keeps rolling on. Uh, but so the kingdom is paused right now is what I come. But think of, this is an interesting thing because I, I thought of this, uh, this rust becoming a witness against them testifying to their greed. It's like, do you know the story picture of Dorian Gray? Uh, so he had a young man, he had a, Beautiful painting of himself that he really loved. Mm -hmm. And it was, he was a gorgeous man, stuff. And it was just, but down in this basement, he had another painting that, that was, that changed. Uh, and it, uh, 
changed according to how his soul or his uh, old man was. And it was hideous, just hideous. You go down there and he was horrified by it. So that was a witness against the tradition of Dorian Gray's soul. So I think that's, that's what it's kind of saying here. And uh, Ironside, it's, it's kind of a parallel thought there. Yeah. Uh, you know, the GFB uh, commentary says in the day, it witness, rust as a witness against you, it says in the day of judgment, namely that your riches were of no profit to anyone lying unemployed and so contracting rest. Uh, rest. Where was that again? Jameson Fawcett. Okay, yeah, okay. You know, yeah. their, their riches did nobody any good. Right. Not even themselves. Just, they were just lying there gathering rest. Yeah. So they're a witness against you. Uh, what well, a foolishness that you did. Yeah, and and you, and you see it. You see it physically by the rusting or the corrosion. Yeah. And that that should be a witness <laughs> that your flesh will be consumed like like fire in verse mm-hmm. three. There, same thing. You know, it, it's a, just a testament to what happens to your 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 soul. It's the same thing with the man who hid. With the uh, the treasure in in the ground, mm-hmm. it accumulated. It, it made no profit. Didn't do anybody any good, and just sat there corroding. Yeah, and well, I would have thought. I'm glad that wasn't me because I might have done the same thing just so I didn't lose it, you know, or something. Ooh, I'm glad. I, yeah. Well, Jesus said, you know, the least you could have done is put it in the bank and gain interest. Yeah, you know? right, and he says that in that same parable, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's go back to James 1, 10, 11, um, where James says, and the rich man is to glory in this humiliation because like flowering grass, um, he will it, he will pass away, his flesh will pass away, for the sun rises with, scorch, with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and the flower falls off, um, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. Um, so he's talking about flesh there, and when you get old, you know your flesh wrinkles. And and look, I'm looking at this. I've got I'm I'm trying to see how much gray I have coming in, so I'm testing it right here. And I do. So this second month, it's third month, it is. I, yeah, or I wanted to Let's look like it is at least Tadeo. I always admire Tadeo when we. Uh, uh, Bible study. So I'm trying to get his look. He looks wise. He's, little, he's younger than me. So, um, so the, the flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed, and his pursuits will fade away. And same, what Peter says in First Peter one twenty four: All flesh is like grass; it withers. Flower falls off. And he's quoting Isaiah forty there. So it's all the same. It's all the same thing that he's describing. Um, oh, so five three part C, and I've uh, kind of uh, uh, repurposed this graph that we've had here many times at Holly Hills. So we have a timeline: the Church Age. We're in there now. Tribulation, seven years at the bottom. Uh, millennial Kingdom, a thousand years. So the day of the Lord is all that's in yellow. And, you know, the church gets raptured right there. Um, the, the alive in Christ are raptured at the beginning of the tribulation. Tribulation saints are uh, resurrected there at the end. Uh, Christ 
second coming right there at the beginning of the millennial kingdom, all that stuff. Okay, so um, not to go into detail about that, but here's the what he's telling these these un, these rich unbelieving <coughs> men here are: you are here storing up your treasure, and there they are, right before it, you know, it's going to all end in the day of the Lord. So you're very close. So why are you doing that? Um, so I just thought that, that part three, uh, verse three, part C is just kind of illustrated in a simple little picture there. Um, so let's go on to verse four now. Behold the pay of your laborers who mowed your fields and who's, who's, uh, and which has been withheld by you, um, behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields and which has been withheld by you cries out against you. And the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the air, ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. Um, so we'll stop there. Um, so this is talking about paying your laborers. Um, here's the source in, in, the old, in the Old Testament law. In Deuteronomy 24, 14 and 15, you shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy, whether he is one of your countrymen or one of your aliens who is in your land, in your towns. You shall give him his wages on his day um, before the sun sets, uh, for he is poor and sets his heart on it so that he will not cry against you to the Lord and it become a sin to you. So even though we're not under the Old Testament law, it shows what God's uh, heart and mind are in this matter of the payment of services. Um, this The rich man has a job, and he hires some poor needies people um, to work the job, like harvesting. Um, it's their lifeline, and in this case, they depend on the money, uh, and it pays for their food clothing, shelter, and withholding it or squabbling about it um, is immoral and it has dire consequences. Uh, the poor aren't able to call a lawyer. And I just put in <laughs> Mackis and Schenker because I always hear that commercial on KOA. Well, it says that if they, if they don't win, they... Uh, yeah, we saw it on we the saw bus. We saw the bus and say, like, you don't have to pay them. If, oh, what? Well, they say if they don't win your case. Oh, yeah. You don't, have to, pay, you don't yeah. have to pay. You have to pay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I don't, and I was listening to another lawyer's on KO <laughs> yesterday driving down talking about car insurance and stuff. But yeah, um, so they can't call a lawyer. They have no advocate. But bad news for the wealthy, the greedy men. They cry out to God and God hears that. He hears that cry, and that's that's bad news for those guys. Uh, So withholding pay um, and having, yeah, withholding pay when you have a bountiful supply of crops to sell. um, So this rich man is a tremendous multiplier for the rich man's balance sheet, right, because he's got this great supply of grain that he has, now he can sell it, but he hasn't, there's no cost. So he gets all the profit and he's, he's cutting out the worker. Um, so it has this tremendous multiplier on his balance sheet, right? It gets fat, big. Um, 
so it happens a lot like where I live. Um, happened to the guy who rents our little cabin. You know, he did this job and the wealthy homeowner wouldn't pay him. Oh, and yeah, it's like thousands. So he kept texting the guy and eventually, you know, do you go to court? Sometimes these guys have, uh, they can go to their, um, the guy who hires them, the contractor, but it happens a lot. And these people are rich. These, these are second, third homeowner homes, vacation homes. You know, who needs that? No one really needs that. You don't need a ski house, but yet, you know, the labor. And these yeah, are people that work on their houses? Yeah. And yeah. And they don't pay them. Yeah, and it happens. It happens. And they're wealthy people. The yeah. Right. People are wealthy. Right. right. Well, wealthy people are not yeah. always very generous. I've learned that because, <laughs> right. yeah, because you're, yeah, they, they notice the $4.51 charge on, yeah, it's, I always, we always, when I was at the title, we always, uh, we always were astonished at the balance, the settlements statement when we're closing a house. What they would, they didn't like the wire fee for $15. Yeah, so. But yet, here's what they're plunking down. They're plunking down $4.2 million. But they, Hey, what's that fifteen dollar charge? So, <laughs> yeah. That's see, that's the concept uh, where we have here. Um, so, yeah, here's my theory on this: is that James's church, the Jerusalem church, scattered went because of Roman persecution, and then they were working hand to mouth wherever they were, and they had this very problem: they weren't getting paid, they were being uh, they were being oppressed by the wealthy, and uh, James is just advocating for their cause here. Um, and their cry has gone out to the Lord. Um, so verse 5, you have lived luxuriously on the earth and led a lifetime of, a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. Um, yeah, this, this is very parallel to the rich man on Luke 16, the parable of the rich man on Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus's master was habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day, it says in Luke 16:19. Um, so garments, you see, he was dressed in purple and fine linen. Uh, garments is a source of wealth here in this day and age. Um, J. Vernon McGee, he says that somehow Lazarus's condition was related to this, the rich man. So whether the rich man hired Lazarus one time, but he was responsible and Lazarus may have declined in health and vigor and was able, unable to physically even walk. That's why they had to carry him to this guy's door. Um, so they're not living just luxuriously, and that's trufeo, living, uh, which means delicately, or living a soft life. The, uh, King James in the inner linear has daintily, they're daintily living. Oh. Is that interesting? Daintily? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, add to that, and then on top, pile on top of that, they're living a life of wanton pleasure, which is spalateo, spalatao. 
which adds the concept of voluptuous. They're living voluptuously or voluptuousness. Isn't that amazing? They're, I mean, they're really, so here's what I have. They're living with chiffon and lace, bonbons, <laughs> truffles and cream, champagne and caviar. Okay. Um, so McGee, he, he says this, J. Vernon McGee, God doesn't condemn the wealth, but he condemns the manner in which they got it and what it's done. When you have wealth, what you do with it is the important thing. Um, Lazarus is rich man and James is rich man and um, James chapter 5 here is hoarding money. So that's not good. Um, the result of living in wanton luxury and pleasure, eating bonbons and cream and champagne and caviar leads to weight gain and most likely <laughs> pericardial fat. Pericardial fat. What does that mean? Fat around your heart, right? Okay. And isn't that what the, the verse says exactly? Um, fatten your hearts in the day of slaughter. There you go. And so now we cover medicine. So we've got economics, <laughs> medicine, finance, banking, economics. You know, we're smart here. Um, so James one through six of chapter five is not only is not only a denunciation of ill-gotten riches, but in, um, I should have that kind of switched around. It's a denunciation of riches. Um, and I'm just trying to read what I, what I wrote there, but it's, you're becoming foie gras for God's righteous consumption. So don't do it. You know what foie gras is? It's goose. It's, um, a fattened goose and a fattened cow are headed for bad times. So they force feed, foie gras is when they force feed Geese, and they do this French in France. They'd never do it here because the PETA people would. But they force <laughs> feed the goose, and then their liver becomes fat. And then they eat the liver. That's foie gras. They eat the liver. So it's just interesting. Um, McGee says, James is telling the godly they live in a godless world, and the rich will oppress, impose hardships on them, take advantage of them. It's the consequence of being in the world. And that's a little review of what okay. we've kind of covered. In this world, you'll have joy. See, my head is in joy, right? But in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Um, so the last part of this, uh, verse 6, you have condemned and put to, get to death the righteous man. He does not resist you. Um, again, the righteous man is able to triumph against the poor wage owner in court, and the laborer isn't even able to bring a legal plea against him. So hence he, he cries out to God. Um, the, this worker needs his wages for basic sustenance, and if it's withheld, he could, he could die is what Constable says. So it's pretty important. And McGee has Lazarus in this dire condition we've discussed before due to a similar situation. That's just his theory. But it's interesting to think about that. Uh, So verse 6 is charged by God against the rich, uh, 
wealthy man hoarding is more tremendous uh, than those um, denunciations that James gives prior to that. Um, so the rich man's guilt is even less excusable um, due to this verse 6 here. Um, so it's important to note uh, the King James Version here. The rich landowners keeping verse verse four, the back pay, the back wages in verse 4, for himself by fraud is fraudulent, is the concept here. And um, this throws the the situation to a legal issue. Um, but be of good cheer. The case will be heard by God himself. Um, court will be in session. And the, the, this, the court date is the coming of the Lord, which we'll see in verse 6 next week. One critical fi- feature of the thousand-year kingdom of Christ is his personal judgment. He's here on earth bodily and physically to be judged during an executioner. Uh, he'll judge righteously money uh, in the millennial kingdom. So that's where we'll stop. That's uh, it's kind of heavy, isn't it? But uh, but next week I think it gets a little lighter. We'll see. We'll see. But next week we go to um, he goes back to the righteous, right? He switches right. his focus back to uh, he calls them brethren. So he he's gonna address his brethren. So that's why these one through six right. is kind of it's not written to those guys, but he's writing to his brethren. He's just about, taking about it, those guys. Yeah, about yeah. them, <laughs> right? Because we have this rule here at Collie Hills that <laughs> scripture is not written to unbelievers. So, uh, so just for their benefits. Okay, let's uh, close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the, these rich words in, in James, and we just pray that you'll give us wisdom to understand them and to to incorporate these principles of. Um, having money and having wealth and using it uh, righteously and according to your will. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.